Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. The strong, the powerful Maggie Goff has returned to Money Savage. Welcome back, Maggie. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to have you back on. Maggie is the president of Realize Wellbeing. She's a speaker, a leader. She's helping to lead people to restorative well-being. Again, I'm excited to have you back on. Maggie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Um, my personal life um, has been uh, disruptive, deconstructive, and hard, but um, that's because I live in a global pandemic. I'm not sure if you've heard, but there's one of those happening <laughs> right now. Um and my husband and I, we live in Northern Kentucky, just south of Cincinnati, and we are making life happen here. Um, my business has like, so, so I had four and a half years of work starting a business where when I started, I knew that there were a lot of things that the corporate wellness industry was getting wrong but I didn't know how to make them right. And so I really spent time sitting with that before I just came out and pretended like I had all the answers, which by the way, I would really, really love for more business leaders to do this. Um, but anyway, nevertheless, that left me, you know, really forming my work at the end of 2019, really understanding the way in which I could show up with business leaders and support a holistic view of employee well-being and shift culture and give something powerful to employees to be a part of a better workplace that supported them. Um, So I sat in an office. I like closed myself in an office for the final week of 2019. And uh, like after Christmas, maybe it was probably bled into the first week of 2020, and I recreated everything. Like these are the services that I offer. This is the, you know, this is how we're going to go about getting this out into the world. And it worked. And I relaunched my website. I had a calendar full of speaking engagements for 2020. So it was like this this four and a half years of work was finally being born into the world. And then March came. And then everything, like my calendar just became um, like had those like desert dust shrubs, like all over it. Like, yeah, tumble, tumbleweeds blowing past. Yeah, yeah, like, and I was like, well, first of all, let me hustle. Let me try to do what business owners do. Let me try to put together something of the work I've been doing. that's meaningful for people right now. And so I was able to do some work with, um, the wellness council of America. I helped them, uh, write their toolkits that they were able to publish at the start of COVID. Um, I was called in to do some workshops for parents and educators with trauma-informed therapists. That was a new lens of my work. Um, so, so I did that. I also produced a uh, a well-being guidebook to be sold directly to individuals, which I had never done before, um, with a lot of the wisdom that I had 
mind over the past four years about what was really meaningful for people. But then I just crashed. I just hit a wall and I would get up in the morning and I would get my kids settled with whatever they had to do for school. And then I would sit down at the computer and I just had nothing left in me. I was done. I was totally spent. So I actually took time away. I'm deeply privileged to be able to do this. And I just stepped back from everything. Um, And I had to grieve those losses. I really did. And I needed to sit with that for a minute to see where it was leading me. So I took the summer off. Um, And I got off social media because that was a train wreck. Um, And slowly began to listen deeper into myself about what was really calling me into this, the next work that I was here to do. Um, so that's where I'm at currently. And I relaunched my website again. Nice. So, yeah. I had a meeting with my employee. She actually had her third baby over the summer. And so we were kind of just quiet as a company. And I met with her when she was coming back from maternity leave. And we just had this really cathartic moment of we were sitting outside, of course, socially distanced and um, really just talking about like, whoa, we relaunched this business twice in one year, you know, and we're having success both ways. So we're grateful for that. So, you know, one of the things that came that I kept seeing throughout 2019 was this constant hustle from people, especially I follow a lot in um, women in leadership. And I was growing more and more agitated by looking at some of these social media influencers who were business women, business leaders, but also mothers. And there's a big movement around, um, you know, women who maybe even are in the midst of still having children, starting their own businesses. But my God, they were just exhausted all the time. And I was concerned about what it was, what it was telling other women, what it took to become well, to become successful, right? Um, Because I could see these women were not well. And what's interesting is now a lot of them are posting post COVID, like, well, we're not post COVID, but post whatever whatever post this time period like this is a picture of me a year ago I was not whole I was not well and I'm grateful for their willingness to come out and say that because we have this addiction in the United States to hustle and we have what's called grind culture and grind culture is the idea that you have to become more to become well. Hmm. So for me, it's like, I this happens a lot for me with um, women that I coach. Um, they'll come in, they'll say, I found out that my triglycerides were high. And so now I need to like become a marathoner. Hmm. No, no, you don't. Like, <laughs> probably the reason that you haven't been taking good care of yourself is you already have too much on your plate. Probably something needs to go away. 
probably there's some things you need to say no to. And I'm going to be honest. I mean, as a woman with three children who runs her own business, I say no to a lot. And saying no is its own form of exhaustion. So none of my kids do extracurricular activities. And this is so countercultural um, because they are at ages where their friends do that. But I could not figure out how I was supposed to go to work every day, come home, cook a decent meal, spend time with my kids, help them with their homework, and somehow also get them to two different, of two that are like the age of extracurriculars, get them to soccer or dance or whatever. Like, like where does that healthfully fit in? And so that's, that's what we're, t- we're looking at. I mean, and then you, when you start to kind of take this issue and like pull it out and look at it a little bit, I had this epiphany, oh my gosh, we start grind culture in kindergarten. So kids go to school, they do a whole day's worth of work and then they come home and we tell them that they will be unsuccessful unless they do more. Mm. It's insane. And we are addicted to it in the United States. I mean, I say the United States because I can't speak to other countries. But yeah, I'm seeing it everywhere. And so I really felt like the next thing that I was being called to was helping people, men and women, become aware of this mentality Because here's how I see it playing out now. In the midst of a pandemic, we keep trying to go back to normal pre-pandemic behaviors, which weren't healthy then. And we are drowning in it. And And then we get the email that says, your triglycerides are high from your doctor. Right. And then you're like, where does that fit? So I think even now in the midst of a pandemic, we cannot find a way to stop. So I'm just I'm going to pause. I'm going to let you respond to this because I'm curious what you're thinking. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate everything you just said. And I do. I do certainly agree that that a lot of what we see on social media is you need to work you know, eight days a week and, and work for 25 hours each of those eight days. Um, and we celebrate that and we certainly celebrate or aspire to lifestyles that are, are not realistic and, and all of that. And I think that w- one of the big things I was thinking about, cause I, I, again, I very much agree that this idea that you have to have more or do more, or be more in order to be well or healthy or whatever it might be, is so incredibly flawed. Um, and my big thought is that I think that so too few of us actually know what we want our lives to really look like for us. And so we're always just chasing something that somebody else is dangling in front of us or what we think that we're supposed to be doing. Yes. You know, and, and here's how I've seen it. So when I started my business, I said, I, I knew there were a lot of things we were doing wrong and I didn't know how to, do better for the people that I was here to serve. And um, at the time, my marriage was a mess. My personal well-being was a mess. And I was working 
in a toxic workplace, right? And so I had first things first, I had to leave the toxic workplace, but I was the primary earner in my family. And so the first thing I needed to do was to get out of there. So I started a business, but I had this moment where like nothing that I had ever created to support people's well-being would have helped me in that moment of time, that period of my life. And that was the real wake up call, was that oftentimes when people need the most help in their well-being, the way in which we are inviting them to participate is to add more to their agenda. <laughs> we don't restore people, we invite them to hustle. And that's damaging. So I have seen, so here's what it looks like in corporate wellness. We purchase a platform, a company will purchase a platform that literally suggests that health and well-being occurs in a vacuum. That if everybody does the steps that this platform has outlined, then everyone will achieve the same goal. In what universe does that ever sound realistic? <laughs> or good. Or good, right. So now, you know, the corporate wellness world is starting to talk about social determinants of health. How does that play into to this platform that you've purchased? So, you know, we have people going to HR saying, I have a really um, stressful relationship with my manager. My manager is not treating me well. There's shifting demands. And there's, you know, my manager will berate me or belittle me. And HR goes, great, here's a stress app. Mm. Right? <laughs> so one, we're not looking at social determinants of health. We're not looking at how the organization itself is supporting people or damaging people, right? But we do expect for people to be to have their bodies be responsible to the bottom line of the company in a vacuum because they purchased a system. And then if people don't participate enough, the company will put in an incentive model, which is actually not incentive at all. They raise everyone's premium and you're just earning your premium back if you're healthy. Okay, so we have this really sick culture around how we treat people's bodies. But here's the thing is like we all as participants in it have bought into the narrative. Okay, so I am in the process of getting my home refinanced and I sent an email to my loan officer and I got a reply that said, um, please be patient if you see a delay in the reply. I'm home, I'm, uh, my kids are doing virtual school and we're adjusting to a new normal, which I thought was uh, like super amazing. I was so impressed by this woman's ability to set boundaries. Yeah, right? great. So she replies to me within 24 hours and uh, still apologizes for the delay, which I was like, there's no delay. And so I just, she answers my question and I reply back and I said, um, you know, there's no need for an apology. Um, I got your out of office reply. I'm sure you're doing a great job. Go good work, mama. Like that's and and she replied back. I'm sitting in my at home office, tears streaming down my face. Oh, because 
I have a child with special needs who I have to read everything to him um, for his virtual school. And I also have a kindergartner who doesn't know how to operate the technology. And she's working a full-time job and her husband travels for his work and was gonna be gone for three weeks. Now, she was putting, she believed she was a failure, right? Like she was failing and she was not doing good enough. No, the system has failed her, right? How, how is that even possible for anyone to thrive or continuously be resilient in that kind of a situation? So the latest statistic is that 800,000 women have left work. Mm-hmm. And it's really upsetting because we were working really hard to gain some equality in the workplace. But because women earn less on average than men, when it comes down to brass tacks of who's going to take a step back to be there for the family, it's been women. So we have this whole hustle culture where we constantly have to become more. I've seen, I've heard of um, CEOs bringing their employees back to work because they're tired of being home and they liked it better when everyone is at work. Okay. Does that take into account anybody else's needs but your own? And then when HR says, hey, why don't we survey people? Why don't we get a, why don't we get a pulse on what's happening for people? Um, the CEO was like, I actually just don't want to know. So I, I know that there are good people out there. I know there are good leaders, but this is pervasive in our culture, right? This is, I see this on every front. And so what I want for people to start doing is to see well-being like the light that they hold inside themselves. And what amplifies that light and what diminishes that light. And I want for people to start thinking about well-being as restoration versus achievement. Because when we have leaders and, I mean, anybody in any area of leadership, whether it's parenthood, whether it's CEO, whether it's management, whether it's HR, Uh, whether you're a principal of a school, when we release ourselves from this addiction, we will stop harming others. We will stop perpetuating this constant hustle that we always have to be more to be well. That is powerful stuff, Maggie, and I I, I, I 100% agree. 100% 100% agree. It is a, it's awful and damning and sad and all, I, 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 I don't have, have correct words or adequate words to, to, to try to sum up the, the fact that it's 800,000 or a million or whatever, a lot women have left work and that's also just, it's also at risk populations and it's 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 kids who have won't have access to school and who will be set back generations um so many of of these horrible effects because of exactly what you just described and 
I mean, you, you could look at that as 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 there's like something like six or seven hundred thousand homeless people in 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 the world, and I'm sure that number is going to continue to grow as well. And just yeah, all right. right. <laughs> until yeah, so until we have leaders in every, like I said, it can be. I have leadership as a parent. I don't need. I'm not just a leader because I own a business. The decisions that I make for my family, we are leaders to ourselves. Mm-hmm. The decisions we make for ourselves. So until we start granting ourselves permission to say, okay, the reason that my body is suffering, the reason that my mind is suffering or my soul or my emotional state is because what I have on my plate is unsustainable. This, this model is unsustainable. And what do I say no to? And how do we begin to walk out of that so that we stop expecting others to do the same? So, you know, um, for me this year, it looks like there are things that, well, let, let me just use this example of school. So we did four weeks of virtual school and then the school said, we think we're gonna do the hybrid model of half, half the kids come part of the week and the other half come the other half of the week. And so as soon as we settled in, as soon as families figured out how to do virtual school and settled into it, the entire model shifted again, okay? Then like I'm getting emails from teachers saying, you know, we now, it's been a couple weeks, you know, we know that there was some adjustment period, but we now are expecting the kids to meet these requirements of making sure that they have all of these things in school. They can't, normally these are things they would leave at school, right? Because they would just have all their supplies there. Right. If they can't do that, they have to take them back and forth, okay? So it was like, make sure the kids have all the things that they need. And if, they're, if they don't, they're gonna start having a consequence, okay? So these are the kinds of emails now that I'm finding rumble deep within me because the reason you're emailing parents is that there are a lot of kids showing up to school without the things that they need. And you know that on some level, the family system is playing a role in the success of that child. So rather than going, okay, maybe we need to take our foot off the gas a little bit Maybe we need to pull back on the requirements that we're, we're putting family, putting on families right now. Instead, they sent a five paragraph email about the requirements and the consequence. So I wonder what, what's, I'm thinking these teachers are probably deep in struggle as well right now. I cannot imagine through my workplace wellness expertise lens, what, it's like to be a teacher right now. They've got to be drowning. So then I think, I wonder why they feel the need to then send this email, why they themselves aren't taking the foot, their foot off the gas a little bit. And then I realize, oh, because they feel like they're failing right now. <laughs> so when we feel like we're failing because the world's put us in a system that's unsustainable, we hustle harder and then we harm other people and we harm ourselves. So this is what it looks like right now for all of us to 
be faced with this addiction that we have around hustling harder for our worth and for our well-being. We've got to pull back and we've got to say, no, we're all going to be okay if we don't do 10 worksheets today, you know? And I'm, I'm in a deeply privileged situation where I both my, I run my, run my own business. I can make whatever schedule I need. Right. <laughs> um, and my husband also has an employer that allows him to work completely autonomously. So can you imagine, I can't even imagine what it must be like for families right now where that they don't have those options. Right. Um, so it's just an interesting time that we've been presented with a massive alarm begging us to wake up and make a new way forward. And that's the work that we do with people right now is when they say, I can't sustain this anymore. We go, awesome. Here's, here's how we can help you. I think that, uh, I think that you are correct. I think that, that this is a, a huge opportunity and, and also an enormous challenge. So, um, yeah. Can you tell me the challenge part? Tell me what's rumbling for you. No, I, I just mean the challenge of, of, I think it's always really hard. I think it's really hard for, for, um, for me to look at a situation like this and to come up with a solution. It's hard for me as somebody who is not happy with, with our political structure to look at it and, 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 and feel like I can make change. I feel it's hard for people, for me to look at a situation where, um, at, at our financial system or American savings and all that. And for, for, for me to feel like I can make a difference. And then I recognize and realize that there's no way that I can. And I take, I, I am empowered and I'm inspired by my realization that what I can do is to make sure that I am taking care of myself and putting myself in a, in a healthy situation and creating a life for myself that I want. And then I'm able to help my kids and my wife and my family and my loved ones, and the people that I can touch to, to, to lead healthier and happier lives. And then I can do that for my community. Um, so that is, I mean, that that's, that's how I do it. And I think that if, and I think that this is really what you're talking about is empowering other people to do that, a similar thing. And then that will then help the teachers at the school and the other kids and their families. And then it'll help companies. And by doing that, that'll really be the impact that, or that I think that that'll actually hopefully do something about it. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's all of us. It's kind of when we, you remember when, you know, we really needed the food system to change. We needed to, to work towards a more holistic food system. I mean, it was 10, 15 years ago and there was this uh, slow food movement. And I remember having a conversation with one of my friends at the time and he said, you know, like such a massive system, like what's me going to a farmer's market going to change, you know? And really 
that's one of those things where the market, the entire market shifted by people, you know, uh, started like 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have organic sections in the grocer. Mm -hmm. They didn't exist. And now it's, it's mainstream. Um, and so it was a, it was a small shift to go like, I want to support farmers who are paying attention to, to what's happening in our world and our, and, and to our earth and to treat animals and the earth and the, and the marketplace well. Right. And so like buying one bag of organic apples, you yourself are not going to change the world. But when a lot of people begin to make one really small change without any massive movement, we shifted an entire market. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so I think that's what it looks like. It looks like saying, you know, no, this year my kids aren't going to do homework. What they've completed in school is good enough. Mm -hmm. And, and if that means that they get bad grades, then we get bad grades. And Mm -hmm. then it's, when a school has everybody failing the school has to begin to respond to that because it looks bad on them if everybody's failing that's right you know and so it's hard listen i'm not gonna lie like i struggle myself with the deep sense of shame that my kids might fail in school right i struggle with the shame that they're not in extracurriculars i struggle with the shame that i don't work 60 hours a week to make my business something more amazing than what it already is. Like those are things that routinely come up for me and I just try to respond to them. And so this is where the new model for our work came from. We had built a a curriculum of well-being through sitting with people and helping them do this disruptive work in their own lives. And so we just formalized it. We just took all of this beautiful work that we've been doing over the past four years and we put it into a curriculum and now we have people who come in groups so you're not just on your own but you're supported by a group of other people who are kind of waking up to the same things and we are walking you through a year-long journey to deepen into your own wisdom about the things that are going to create well-being in your own life so there's no i'm not selling anybody a plan I'm not handing you an agenda or a meal plan or a fitness routine. I'm saying let's get let's get to what well-being really looks like. Let's spend some time being present to what that is and how we can get more of it in our own lives. And it's going to there are 10 people in a group, it's going to look different for every one of those 10 people. Because their needs are all different. So it's not my job to determine how they solve their problems. It's my job to support that shift in their own lives and empower them to make those changes. And when all that shame comes up by being countercultural to a world that tells you you need to be more, you'll have this group to come back to, to go like, oh, I'm struggling today. So we have in the group a, um, there's the, we meet twice monthly virtually so that we're all safe in the pandemic um we have a group chat that is off social media it's private and it's just with those 10 people because social media is a a literal train wreck these days um and then 
they have they get weekly content from me so that's what we're doing right now that's how we've shifted and how we're responding both to the needs that people have and the need of the work that we are called to do at realized well-being i love it i love it I, i'm such a, a massive proponent of of community and um so i think that that sounds like sounds like uh, the correct structure from from my perspective and um, yeah I'm I'm, 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 I'm I'm excited this has been an awesome conversation I Maggie I did not I did not necessarily expect us to have this conversation um, but but I'm really glad that 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 we did and I'm I am I'm gonna search for the the term talked about how this year has been disruptive uh, deconstructive and hard Um but we're coming out on the other end, hopefully here and, um, you'd be doing some, some really important work for people. So I'm excited for you and I'm excited to have you back on to, 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 to learn more about how it's worked and what, what, what changes and, and adjustments that you've made. And, um, I'm more than confident that, that it's, it's, it's going to be really well received. So, so I'm so glad you came back on, uh, tell us where, where we can learn more about these programs. Um, if you go to my website, I've relaunched it again for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> it's real, realize well-being without the hyphen in well-being, uh, realizewellbeing.com. And it's all there and you can learn about it. And then, of course, I have uh, realize well-being with Maggie on Instagram. And I post daily about, you know, this kind of awakening and this way of life where we can say no to things. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Maggie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas and is is probably feeling and experiencing a lot of the things that, that, that we're all feeling and experiencing. Go to realizewellbeing.com. Check out all the great resources and then find her on Instagram as well. I'll list those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Maggie. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.